Yes, 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 people. It is a festival edition of Echo Chamber coming at you today. And the festival in question is Dances with Films, right? So this runs from the 22nd of June to the 2nd of July, right? And uh, we are going to start things off with Heightened, right? It, it's a great little flick. So, people, let's get into it, shall we? Okay, people, so... Heightened. This is the new film from Sarah Friedman, right? She writes and directs. Uh, the film is produced by John Herman, executive produced by Matt Ratner, and co-produced by Merrily Holt. Nick Senna handles the music. Rose Fadham Johnson cinematography. Nicholas Wenger edits the piece. Sunday Boiling, Kendall Cooper and Meg Mormon are on casting. Monica Dabrowski, production design. Art direction is handled by Nikki Watts. Costume design is Paula Marie Gallucci. Um, hair and makeup is Eliza Kangloski. And then our cast. Well, Sarah Friedman stars as Nora. Um, hmm. Okay. Um, hmm. Who should we do next? Man, it's always... Um, yeah. It's always... Uh, you know, you're thinking like, okay, who do we go to? Um, all right, yeah, fuck it. Dusty is played by Dave Register. Susan is Sarah Clark. Mitch is Mike Mitchell. Gordon is played by Xander Berkeley. Officer McCarthy is played by Moira Driscoll. Dr. Ja is played by... Dipti Meta. Gillian Peterson is played by Jessica Caden Osborne. Right, Paul Peterson is played by Whip Hubley. And his wife Alice is played by Catherine Graham Howe. There's Tiffany played by Laura Darrell. Um, her examiner is played by Steve Gallistro. Bill is played by Richard Sewell. Jim, Jody McCollum. Um, yeah, that's the cast. Now, the gist of the flick, people, is this. Following a mental breakdown, a young woman must return home to Maine for treatment. After she is unwillingly thrust into nature, she finds unexpected solace in the company of a neurotic park ranger who is dealing with issues of his own. 
So this is actually, right, it's two things. It is the feature directorial debut from Friedman. And it's also based on a short film she made in um, 2015, right? 2015. Dave Register was also in that as Dusty. So um, that's nice, right? Now, here's the thing, right? It, it's making a directorial feature debut and, uh, you know, writing for a feature, which... Yeah, it's, 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 doing one isn't the easiest. Doing two and having it work, that's the big thing. And this does work. I really enjoyed this film. Right? We, like, straight out the gate, it lets you know. Right? Because we have uh, Nora, um, she is at home getting ready for something, you can see. Right, she's got all these cards. You you know she's very meticulous the way she answers the phone to her mum and just responds to the questions and everything. You can see that you know the things that she doesn't care about, it's just like, well, why? Why would I do this thing? Like she's not the person to pretend to be, you know. And you can see her mum is. <laughs> you know what I mean? Then we have her inner exam. And I thought the way that's depicted and then other incidents, that was done really well. Right? Because it's showing the anxiety of a situation. You know, how every noise is heightened for you. Now, it's probably not distracting other people, but for you, it is the worst thing. It's so loud. It's just there. Like, they're doing it to annoy you, right? It's happening right next to you, even though it might be the other side of the room. So we see all of this. And then the way she gets up and walks, it's like slow motion. And like no one else is in the room, you know, which I think it can feel like that, right? So all of those things let us straight in the first few minutes understand who Nora is. And there's, um, I think there's something to that, you know, there is something to that. Having this uh, young lady who is gripped in this OCD, right, the, the, this world where it's all about the detail, she's got these routines and that's how she deals with things and copes, so I, I thought that was fascinating and just really well done. Then when you're seeing her parents, right, who are the complete opposite to her. And as the film goes on, we learn more about the parents in a way, right? Their dynamic and how they fit together, which is interesting because you don't get that from the very beginning. But yeah, as the film moves, you, you find this. And she's doing having to do all of these things now. 
because she obviously got into trouble for the things she does at the start, right? So she's moved back home, living with her parents, and having to go to therapy, right, and group, and, and just watching her trying to navigate those things, right? There's, she doesn't talk about her feelings, you know, open up to people, right? No, we do not do that. So, it's, yeah, I think it was handled really well. It's, like, I, it definitely makes you smile watching these interactions and everything, you know? It reminded me of, like, films like Ride the Eagle and um, um, Dan in Real Life, you know? Not exactly the same, but tonally. Right, it, it had that kind of feel to it, you know. You could even throw in stuff like Garden States and um, Five Hundred Days of Summer. You know what I mean? It, it had that kind of a vibe to it, right? There's little things which I put, you know, what I mean, like the uniform never really gets dirty and things like that. But that it, it, it's not it's not really a distraction. Because everything else is good, really good. Just, you know, the characters, you know, Dusty, his, his brother Mitch, and the rest of the crew. You know, the he, the parents' friends, the Petersons. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just all of those things work very well. And, there, like, there's a bit where... Um, Jill. Is it Jill? I think it's Jill. Yes, I believe it was Jill. Right? She um she tells Nora that she went to India to teach yoga. And Nora's like, wait, you you went to India to teach them yoga? Right? <laughs> Which you know, it's not to say that it, just because you're Indian means you know yoga, but in the kind of birthplace of yoga, right? It does sound like a funny kind of concept. So, you know, it's just things like that just make you smile and go, oh, no. But with characters like Jill, just because you see them in one instance in one way, right, there is evolution. There are other things that we see later on. So I think that's good because, you know, people are so nuanced, right? So even people that kind of are assholes, right? They're, they're not always assholes, right? And I think that's what we see with this film, you know, that there's situations that not everyone copes with the best, right? Being able to talk to people, being able to open up, right? All of those things. You know, and, and right, there's. I was looking when I was looking at the list, right? Got sent all of these films to cover, and you see heightened, and it's just like, what does that mean, though? <laughs> right, heightened. I have no like, it's not like you get a sense of what that film might be from that title, but then you watch the film, you'd be like, oh, of course, that makes sense, like heightened sense, heightened anxiety. Right? That's what that is. And you're just like, oh, yeah, that's a perfect fucking title. 
You know what I mean? Um, so that's that's cool. It's the I think it's very warming watching the interactions between Nora and Dusty, right? That friendship, watching that. I think that's really it's nice, it's handled well, right? It it's not necessarily right uber realistic you know and just because sometimes other shit comes up right and when you do a certain thing it takes a long time to get over that but for this sort of film right for this kind of sweet endearing comedic effort right that is the type of relationship that works, you know? I think you'd probably do it slightly different in a drama, a straight drama, you know? But in this, it works. It's what is needed. And it just gives you enjoyment, you know? Gives you enjoyment. You just think the way everyone talks and you know, trying to work through these situations, because we do see that, which I don't think you always get, you know, when someone goes to a therapist or something, right, it's just like, well, you know, your issue is this, and we're like, oh, I'm cured, but no, it's not straightforward like that, we do see a process, and we see the characters trying to work things out, and sometimes everyone else knew, but they just it took them forever to understand. Oh, that's what's happening. Okay, right. I get it now. I understand. You know? So, yeah, I think this was done really well. And as, as I say, especially when you realize it's, you know, Friedman's first feature film. You know? I think that's like, yo, okay, you... you brought out a great film, you know, because there's plenty of, um, I mean, there's, look, there's plenty of stuff that you can watch, and you can go, yeah, that was, that was okay, right, now, obviously, there wasn't a budget, or there wasn't this, so you can see, you know, but no, 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 like, there's not many faults to this, you know, it's also her feature um, debut as an actress. You know, because sometimes people, they've acted in features and big stuff, but they haven't gone behind the camera. You know, but yeah, this is the first time on all of those things. Even though, like the funny thing is, you do feel like you've seen her before. Right, and and it, I think it's the presence, it, it's just all of these things make you feel like, yeah, she's veteran at this stuff, you know, so I will say, people, if you enjoy stuff, you know, like mentioned, you know, Dan in Real Life, um, Ride the Eagle, all of that kind of jazz, then I think you will very much like Heightened, and it is having its world prayer Look, world premiere, right? Dances with films on Friday, the 23rd 
of June at the TCL Chinese Theatre at 7.15pm, obviously, people. So, yeah, listen, all the links are on the episode, look, all links are on the website, people. So go cop yourself a ticket, follow, you know, Sarah and crew so you can find out, you know, if you're not in um, L.A., right? Follow to see what this might be screening a festival that's closer to you. But yeah, people, definitely check out Heightened. I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I think you will too. Okay, people, so we looked at the film. Now it's time to talk to the writer, director, and uh, yeah, this one of the stars, people. Up next, we have the great Sarah Friedman. Okay, people, so I am joined by the writer and director of Heightened, Sarah Friedman. Sarah, thank you so much for uh, passing through. Really appreciate that. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. Like when I, um, you know, saw the title of this film, I wondered what it could be. And then you're watching it and you'd be like, oh, heightened makes so much sense. <laughs> right. Is it like heightened anxiety, heightened emotions? I'm, I'm assuming I might be wrong there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And we have uh, Dusty is afraid of heights. So oh, like, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Multiple, multiple levels. <laughs> I hope it does. Oh, no, it's it's I really enjoyed this film. Oh, it, 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 it was great. But um, I then saw it's based on a, a 2016 short. Or is it 2015 short? Yeah, 2015 or 16. Yeah, that short film. Um, so I, I started out as an actor and uh, then studied some directing for theater in college. And eventually when I was out of college and I was working, um, I was like, you know, maybe I want to try out film directing. So I wrote that short and it was the very first film that I ever directed. So I call that short my film school. Uh, but then the characters, they really stuck with me for a long time. And I'd written a different feature, but I kept thinking about the characters and the story. And I was like, you know, I'm going to develop that short into a feature. Okay. Now, in the short, like, um, what was the focus like the main focus and what did you what what did you flesh out what did you yeah. add so in in the short it was really about the two main characters Nora and Dusty the premise was the same that except you don't see Nora's breakdown the it begins with <clears throat> this character Nora you know returning home to parents that she has a sort of strange relationship with and confronting her mental health issues uh volunteering at the park, meeting Dusty, who is confronting his. So that sort of core of the film was the same. What really fleshed out and added were um, the side characters and the other smaller stories about the family dynamics and the entire character of Mitch, Dusty's bullying stepbrother, right. was a new, yeah. a new addition. Um, and, you know, we got to explore so much more also with the uh with the therapist which we didn't get to do in the short mm. 
Yeah, no, there was definitely some interesting dynamics happening in this one. Like, how did you kind of get into that headspace, right, to, to go, okay, I feel this character would be like this, you know, I feel the therapist would talk like this. Because, I mean, the therapist was interesting, right, because there was that whole scene of, I'm so disappointed, and it's not like in the actions, Right, yes. it's not going. You should not have done those things. I can. I'm ashamed of it. It's, uh, it's right. like you could have talked to me about it, and I thought yeah. that was it very in because you don't always see that. So I thought a that was of, really interesting. Thank you. Yeah, a lot of times, you know, therapists are portrayed uh, in the media as sort of it's it's they just listen to you and maybe they're not challenging you that much. Um, mm. In my experience, in in real life. If you've built up a very, and, and this is, Nora's in a different situation because she's also in a court-ordered program. Yes. So she's she actually needs to show measured growth as part of this program. So she's very fortunate that she's getting this close with this therapist and building that trusting relationship. But at the end of the day, the therapist is the one who gets to, to decide three more weeks or no, you're done, or, you know, it is an evaluation of sorts. So, and, and therapists, a lot of times, now we have some fun media happening where therapists are the main characters, but mm. usually therapists are side characters. They're more a conduit or a vessel for the main character to kind of dump what they're feeling. Yeah. I wanted her to really show she was disappointed to have real agency and real feelings. Yeah, no, I, I thought that was handled really well. It was, Thank you. It was, it was nice. And just just the, you know, relationships, I thought, were good. You know, it is, it is so many times you saw certain scenes happen and you were just like, oh, God, I felt that. <laughs> right? When, they, when you were sitting at the lobster shack <laughs> and you just hear, a, oh, we're not friends. And you're just like, oh, God. God. Cringe. Yeah. Oh, that's so brutal. Yeah. <laughs> One thing that was fun about writing Nora is that she, it's like everything she says comes out a little wrong. Mm. Um, you know, everything she doesn't, she's so in her own head that, and so just embarrassed to be seen with this like worker guy and in this park ranger outfit that her instinct has nothing to do with him and his feelings. It's all, okay, I got to save face here. Um, so that's, you know, a fun journey of her growth as well to going from living fully in her bubble, me, 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 to, wow, the people around me are the main characters of their own lives. It's not all, yeah. it's not all just me. Yeah. Well, I think it's, it, her and um, Dusty are very interesting because they, ha they have a similar issue on that mm -hmm. front where they're saying things and it's just like oh man that wasn't the best thing to say like what are you doing <laughs> you know but you can also the the other I think big thing and it is it's really interesting and there's a nuance to it the the things being said you can tell they're not meant to be mean yes right and it's just the way that person says something or interprets it it's not a malicious statement absolutely and then and then when they are fighting and Nora Nora knows what to say to hurt him 
that's she then can intentionally turn malicious mm. and and it's sort of a bomb for him um and she she there's a real difference between her saying things not really meaning to be mean and realizing how she comes across to okay now i'm going to use my i'm going to weaponize my words mm. yeah how long did it kind of take to find the voice of um Nora and Dusty and Mitch and the parents. You know, Nora, um, it's interesting because Nora and I share a lot of the same issues. I like to say that Nora is is me with with no filter. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't have the social anxiety component that Nora does. I'm I the orange food. Uh, I you know I don't have orange food although. <laughs> Uh, that that was a little Easter egg for people in my personal life who are like, Sarah can't stand oranges. Um, <laughs> but I, so I have, I do have, you know, OCD and anxiety, but I don't have the social component. Yeah. So it was easy for me to tap into Nora because I just sort of, um, you know, opened, I, I thought, what if my life had gone this way where maybe I didn't, I did fortunately have very supportive parents with mental health issues very open communication. So with her, it was it was sort of what could I have been like if I was always pressing things down. Mm. Um, it was easy, very easy for me to find. Dusty, uh, I had such a clear idea. So he, the same actor played him in the short. David. Yeah, yeah. I I, I thought that was nice. I like yeah. that because yeah. you know when you see that, you're like, okay, she must be a nice person, <laughs> right? If this person <laughs> wanted yes. to work with her again, <laughs> like she must be nice. Well, the real secret is that he and I went to high school together, so oh, we for a long you time. Had dirt on him. You he made him do exactly. it exactly. <laughs> he couldn't back out if he wanted to, but. He did so much to make that character his own way back in the short. You know, we were both sort of, uh, he's a wonderful actor, but he at the time was doing mostly theater. So the short was such an experiment for both of us. And he, you watch the short and you watch the feature and Dusty is the same exact character. He kept finding new and more fun places to take it during the feature, but he laid such a groundwork all those years ago. So I have to credit him for, for a lot of that. And, um, you know, this time uh, Mitch was a really interesting one to sort of uh, work in. I know a lot of Mitches. I know a lot of people who are still a little bit bitter about what did or didn't happen when they were in high school. Um, but I also wanted him to, you know, feel real and have, even though he's a larger than life character, I wanted him to, you know, have, have, his own problems, just like everybody else. So that one, he he took a minute to sort of figure out how not to make him just like a cartoony villain, but is there something motivating him? Is there something, some old regret? Um, and, uh, and then, you know, the parents, uh, we started with sort of a classic archetype of a waspy parent, um, which is a very New England, thing and uh xander and sarah uh, xander berkeley and sarah clark just took it and, and made it their own in such a beautiful way yeah and i think over the course of the film we see more from them and especially you know xander's character like which i thought was nice because you see them first and you think oh they're these type of parents mm -hmm. but 
there's there's more layers to it, which yeah. I thought was really interesting. And I thought it was a nice thing because, you know, I think a lot of times we see these archetypes and it's just one thing, right? And it's just black or white. Yeah. And so it's always nice when you get that nuance. Yeah. And I, it was important to me to show that um, it's never too late for growth. It's never too late to uh, try and mend a relationship or try and, you know, just do better just because a family dynamic or relationship dynamic has been the same for 25 years doesn't mean it needs to keep being that way. And I especially um, the mother, Susan, you know, she is. So if I said, if, if Nora is me, if I never got help, if I was always pushing everything down, Susan is Nora. If she never got help and was always pushing everything down, Susan mm. is what Nora would, would turn into. So yeah. it really, to, to find a way to not just have them be that stereotype of those kinds of parents and say what really, what, what got them there. Yeah, no, I, I think that really does come across. So it is, which is added to the charm of the thing. I kind of figured, you know, yeah, so that, yeah that, that was, that was nice. That was nice. Like, did you have a tone in mind when you were writing or does that come, you know, in the kind of editing process? Uh, the tone was very specific in the writing process for me because, you know, uh, I, I wrote it a very specific way um, and, and I directed it with that tone in mind. And then in the edit, it's all about making sure we are sort of adhering to that tone. Uh, and this this film has a very specific tone. It's 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 very it's the humor is off a little bit, but there's also dramatic moments and just making sure that we really in the edit and my editor Nick Wenger was really really wonderful. He understood the tone immediately from reading the script. So um, and just watching footage. So then that's that was sort of, you know, that last making sure that everything matched. Mm. Um, but it definitely came very early in the process. Okay. Okay. Now, what's the kind of difference? This being your, you know, feature directorial debut. Yes. So what's the difference for you from doing the shorts, you know, TV work and other stuff? to doing this yeah so i've so i've directed several micro budget short films and um this was my first project that had you know we'll say a real uh, still a low budget but a real budget and a full crew uh i've worked on several several films in different you know bigger films in different roles i've done a lot of production and and um, acting and but this was this was a, a helming this was um, so different from from shorts and I was so fortunate to be surrounded by such talented people that I could really rely on one thing I think directors really need to remember is that they don't know everything you've hired people who are experts in their field I don't need to know everything about camera when I have such an amazing cinematographer um, that I can defer to, that I can say, what do you think? So 
I was really fortunate to surround myself with those people who I really trusted, who I could go to and say, you know, actually right now with this lighting thing I am in over my head, what do you think? Uh, and, and just let them do their jobs. Uh, mm. So that was, that was a huge lesson. I tend as a person to try to take on too much. So to really sit back and delegate and remember you've hired these people for a very specific reason and to trust them. Uh, so I, I found the experience really, really wonderful and hope I get to do it again very soon. If someone wants to give me a movie to direct, I'm down. Oh, well, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I kind of feel that anyone that sees this, this is a great proof of concept, right? Yeah, I, I think you can go, okay, yeah, she could definitely handle, you know, this other kind of stuff. So Thank I think you. you've um, really set yourself up well there. You know, I, I, I kind of, it reminded me in some ways of, of films like um, Dan in Real Life or mm -hmm. um, Ride, the, Ride the Eagle, you know, A Little Garden State, just yeah. those kind of tonal kind of films, you know. Yeah. A huge tonal reference for me was Silver Linings Playbook. Um, oh, yes. I remember seeing that movie when it came out and going, this is the first time I feel really represented in how my actual day-to-day -day struggles with mental illness manifest. Like sometimes things are funny. Sometimes mm. things are humorous. Sometimes the way my brain works may be at a disadvantage in one situation, but allows me to connect really beautifully to somebody in a different way. And so I just, I came out of that movie, you know, just like, I had the best time at that movie when I when it came out. I think I was in high school even or early college. Um, and so that always stuck with me as a tonal reference. I love how how they navigated between the comedy, the really difficult moments, the relationship, the connection. And then, you know, their other what was their fun thing was a dance competition. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, for us, it's sort of this state park. It's like you you have this whole other thing kind of thrust in the mix to make it to make it uh, unique. And, and so that was a, that was a huge tonal reference for me. Um, and yeah, it was very fun coming up with sort of uh, all of our references, paying homage to different movies that I love. And that was one of them for sure. <laughs> yeah, no, I did love that film. I feel that was, uh, yeah, very well handled. Yeah. And I think it's interesting because not all the time, like you, you usually see like mental health kind of shown in a certain way. Yeah. And as you said, it it's different every day. Exactly. Right? It, it can change hour to hour, right? Mm -hmm. It's not just this one thing. Yeah. And so it always is frustrating when you see certain people depicted or certain, you know, yeah. conditions depicted. And it's just, oh, this person has autism. So obviously they're right. this and you're just like no no and OCD is a major one um that I think is misrepresented frequently in the media um I actually the show Monk is a great show but but I think that a lot of people associate OCD with that kind of like it's hand washing all the time it's cleanly yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. really it's just sort of any sort of ritual that follows an obsession it's it, it's more about the thought pattern than it is mm than it is what the thought is. For many people, that manifests in 
cleanliness. I need to wash my hands. That's their ritual. But it it's it's that's not what OCD actually is. And so um, and so sometimes it's the hyperfixation on the sounds and this and the certain senses. So I had um, you know even though we don't. I, I wish I could make this movie like 10 hours long because it would all just be one long therapy scene. But because I couldn't do that, I hope that the little snippets, people kind of go, oh, I hadn't maybe even thought of that in that light. Um, and I think we're doing a lot better as an industry at a whole right now, bringing mental illness into the conversation and making it less homogenous um, and kind of showing the nuances. But I'm happy to hopefully be a part of that conversation. Mm. No, you de it was. De I think the portrayal was definitely handled very well. You know, so yeah, no, that was it. It was a uh, yeah, nice. It was it was nice to see all of intimacy, and she lists all these different things, and it's just like, okay, we can stop there. <laughs> but it's just like she's just like, oh, this, this, yeah. this, this. Yeah, <laughs> and you know, one thing that was also like you said earlier. Um, the how mental illness can change from day to day. It also, you know, changes from person to person. Mm. One thing that's very important to me is both Dusty and Nora suffer from panic attacks, but their panic attacks manifest in completely different ways. So my cinematographer and composer and editor and I worked through the different um, like effects that each of their panic attacks take. Nora's are hyper-focus on small things, lots of close-ups, like, you know, real extreme close-ups and rapid cutting. Dusty's are the world around him gets out of focus and blurry. So the so even though they're the same issue, they're experiencing them completely differently because we all experience everything completely differently. And that was something that really works well, right? Because it's just that, you know, he said the, the focus on the sound, yeah. right? When she's, at, especially at the beginning, when you just hear all of those noises and you then you get the close-ups of those things. And then when she gets up, <laughs> it feels like she's walking in slow motion. Yeah. Or or walking in like, you know, quicksand. She's almost like an out-of-body yeah. Experience, yeah, mm, yes, because everything around her is kind of not there now, it, yeah. it, you know. And I thought that was really, you know, I feel it displayed the situation really well, and you know what's happening yeah. when you see it. And as you said, with Dusty, it, it, you know, it's a different thing, but again, it just really shows those situations so well and like yeah how long did it take to work out you know those visual effects for the characters yeah that was sort of uh it was a challenge but a, a fun one I think the good thing is that um so my cinematographer her name is Rose Fadum Johnston she's fabulous um she and I really worked out early on you know we did a lot of preparation a lot of shot listing uh, and she and I worked out those two different panic attack effects early on to make sure that anytime we were in those scenes, we were fully covered with the right equipment, you know, that the first AC was doing the right focus pulling for one type of panic attack versus the other. So it was it was very planned out in advance, which, of course, made everything in the edit 
much easier. And then what um, my editor Nick and I really focused on was the pacing of their panic attacks because we were working on the cuts mm. um, and building Nora's is a little more um, frenetic and quick and Dusty's is sort of ooh. So uh, I'm sure everyone who just listen is going to listen to that and not see it. It's like, what is she doing? But, <laughs> uh, but so, and then my composer, Nick Senna, who is absolutely fabulous. He had a blast too coming up with, you know, we decided that Nora's panic attacks are, are almost like a horror film score, very instrumental and lots of shrill strings. And so that kind of stuff, the composing came more in post, which was really fun. Uh, okay. No, that's, it's really interesting because I think you, you kind of figured that, yeah, you know, all this thought has to go into it, but it's the, the that finer detail yeah. that you only understand through a, like a, a conversation like this. And it's just so much work. <laughs> yes, it is. I have, it's funny, my family and friends who are, because uh, we shot in Maine, which is where I grew up. And, um, you know, some family would come to set or whatever and they'd go, Oh, this is like a lot of work, isn't it? <laughs> yes, making films is actually really tough. <laughs> there's there's a lot of moving parts. I know. I, I think sometimes there's a thought that, you know, oh, it probably took a few months, right? Yeah. Oh, this film. Because I remember there's there's been those occasions when a couple of films on the same subject have come out and be like, oh, like surely they'd have known. They should have stopped. And it's just like, it's, it doesn't work like yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> one was probably shot four years ago. <laughs> I actually was uh, telling a very funny story yesterday. My 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 father um, passed away a month ago, um, very unfortunately. And he was so proud of me and this film and, and everything. But um, I was showing him some rough footage and he was like, so what about that, you know, that, that hairstyle, maybe you should change that for, and I said, dad, this entire, the whole movie was shot six months ago. I'm not going in and changing a hairstyle. <laughs> <laughs> but even just that basic disconnect of this is working really well. What if you, you know, did that? It's been filmed. Yeah. <laughs> it was filmed ages ago. You were there. <laughs> uh, but you got to show him the film. Yes, yes, he saw the film. He saw the oh, film uh, and all through, through all sorts of, he saw roughs, he saw the final, so. Uh, oh, yeah. that's that's great. I'm, I'm glad you were able to do that. Have incredibly, incredibly supportive parents of this wacky career in the arts, so. <laughs> hey, well, it's paying off. Yeah. It's definitely paying Actually, off. Uh, the, the, um, my, my father was a very successful lawyer and his first bar exam, he left because he had a panic attack. That, uh, that plot point came from his past. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Um, always mining other people's, other people's stories. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, so much happens around us, right? That can be inspiration or let you get an insight into how someone will think or act yep. in a certain situation so yeah i mean it makes sense to do that yeah mm, no definitely how was the casting process there's obviously you know dave you you had him on lock but everyone yeah. else like how did you 
come with those people and was there like you know with the therapist was the therapist always a woman or mm-hmm. were some of these roles just I'm looking for someone that can convey this and you know the sex the race that doesn't yeah. really come into yeah. it yeah so um the actually I'll, I'll start with the therapist I, in the script uh the therapist was originally a man didn't really matter um I wrote him as a man. Uh, Jim, the group therapist, was in the short film. And he's an actor in Maine who is so funny that um, I knew I wanted to keep him. And that's in the short film. The group therapist is also her individual therapist. In the feature, I thought, okay, I can branch out and create two separate characters. Mm. So I had it written as a man. I envisioned him a specific way, um, a a specific vibe. And then... um, my incredible acting mentor, who's a wonderful director, Deborah Campmeyer, I did a, in New York, I did a workshop with her and I met this woman, Dipti, and I was like, we didn't even act all week. It was a writing, um, that one was a writing and clowning workshop. So I saw her write and I saw her clown, but I just knew that she had to be a phenomenal actor. So when we were in the casting process, I thought she could really take the therapist in a whole new direction. And I asked her to put herself on tape. And I was like, yep, that's it. So, you know, she, it's, she's someone who I saw clown and just knew she could do this therapist. Um, So that was really fun. Jillian Peterson also um, the, you know, the friend, uh, friend, frenemy. Uh, She is also a dear friend of mine from that class. We've um, been acting in class together for years and years and years. I had never seen her do comedy. She is an incredible dramatic actress, Shakespeare, everything, but I just knew she could do it. So those were those were friends from acting class. Uh, um, and then the the larger, you know, the bigger roles, uh, Xander and Sarah are a married couple in real life. So oh, okay. yeah, they thought it might be fun to to do this together. They have um, such incredible careers. Um, Xander, I think if you go to his, his IMDB, he's been in 250 things, everything you see, uh, and Sarah as well, just so incredible. And I am so fortunate that they decided to randomly move to Maine a few years ago. (laughs) So I thought, oh my God, maybe they'll want to do this. And, um, we had great conversations about the script and the characters and they were both, they were both in, um, and I was so fortunate and blown away by that. And then uh, Mitch, I I used to work in TV at at IFC TV. I was a um, network and development coordinator. And we had this sketch show on the air called The Birthday Boys that was executive produced by Bob Odenkirk. He was sort of their mentor. And uh, I think they came to New York for upfronts or something. And we all went out to karaoke. And I was like, this Mitch guy's great. He's so fun. And um, I ended up writing. I ended up writing the role for him, not actually thinking he would take it, <laughs> but he did. So, yeah, it really, it really, it, everything sort of worked out in a beautiful way. Oh, fantastic! Yeah, oh, that's great. Especially for a smaller film in Maine. Mitch is from outside of Boston. He's from Quincy. So I was like, if you go visit your family, you could then hop over to Maine and do this movie. <laughs> <laughs> 
so manipulative. So. Yes, I know. Right? I'm like, don't you want to see your mom? Um, <laughs> and then uh, do the one and a half hour drive north. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, what do you, have, when you cast the, these actors for these roles, how do you then work with them? Like, do you sit down, have a conversation, be like, look, the character is this, this is, or do you leave it up to the script? Do you give them soundtracks to be like, uh, this music will help you get into the frame of mind? Do you give them film references? What is your kind of process on that front? So because this was a lower budget film running on a very tight schedule, we did not have any form of rehearsal time before we started shooting. Um, one day I hope to do a movie where I get my actors for a couple weeks. And uh, <laughs> I was so lucky that all of these actors are such pros. I did not have to really do anything. Um, you know, we had some phone calls. Dave and I did a little bit together because, you know, again, we're friends and we could just hang out and talk through the script. And, yeah. um, but with, especially with the actors who either didn't um, live close to me or who I didn't have that prior relationship with. It was mostly we'd have some phone calls about about how they saw the character, how I saw the character. And then a lot of beautiful stuff happened on set, a lot of collaboration. Xander and Sarah are such, um, you know, recognizable, amazing actors and were very respectful to me about coming up to me and saying, I wonder, you know, would it be okay if I tried it like this, or could I add this line? Um, you know, they would they would actually, they would ask and it would be a conversation. And I would absolutely always say, yes, I wanna hear what you have to bring, how you're feeling this character. Um, mm. And then we could try it a different way. Um, but it was just, it's a very open conversation with me. Uh, as an actor myself, I think that actors can, actors can bring things to the script that the writer never even imagined, so. I always want to hear. Yeah. Now, do you, because I was wondering that actually, because you've had so many different roles, yeah. right? You acting, producing, directing, writing, you know, uh, 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 script management. Like, do you think having all of that has given you some unique tools to be able to have this vision for directing? I do. You know, I, um, I I started as an actor and then I started studying directing as well in college, but for theater. Um, so I've, I've been an actor and a director longer than anything else, but I sort of fell into a lot of production, coordinating, managing, producing, and learned that businessy, um, you know, logistical side. And I think that especially on a project like this, where we had to work quickly and efficiently, that helped me because I have an understanding of budgets. I have an understanding of timing, of how we really need to move <laughs> to get everything. And mm. uh, I hope my pro amazing producer, John Herman, um, would say that I was a help and not a hindrance, but you never know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but, you know, so I, I do think that having various roles helped me a lot on this film. What it can do negatively is um, make me feel like I should be doing everything myself. I should be doing more and more and more. And that was, like I said earlier, something that I really had to learn and how to trust everybody around me to do their jobs, which they did so, so brilliantly. 
Um, but yeah, I think, I think for this one, especially, um, again, with how quick we had to move and how resourceful we had to be, you know, I wasn't walking up to my producer saying, I think for this shot, we should get a crane. Um, that just, that wasn't, this <laughs> I understood that. <laughs> <laughs> and how do you build that kind of confidence and level of trust with people that you know you don't necessarily know as well as you know people like Dave yeah so for me um especially with crew it's preparation 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 I am a huge believer in you know shot listing everything well before you start shooting in having production meetings having constant conversations with every department head so everyone's on the same page and you can see well in advance you can pick out what's going to be a problem you know what scenes are going to be the trickiest and when you watch people work in prep and you're all on the same page then by the time you start shooting you've already built that trust okay yeah no that makes a lot of sense And I'm, I'm, I'm not a, and then of course, the more, in my opinion, the more structure you have actually allows for more creativity. When you know we have this great plan, if a strike of inspiration hits in the moment and you want to deviate from the plan, that's okay. Cause you have the plan to fall back on. Mm. Yes, for real, for real. Like I'm um, going into this process were there things that you thought, oh, this is going to be so challenging or this might be an issue? And then once you finished, were those things what you thought they were or did other stuff come up? Or was it just like, boom, perfect all the way through? <laughs> if only. <laughs> um, you know, I really wanted to shoot this in Maine, on the ocean, on the beach. There's a lot of challenges that go with that. Um, most of the scenes that ended up being harder in the edit, I knew right on the day, oh boy. Uh, and it was usually some sort of something out of our power. You know, we're doing a nighttime beach scene and our generator breaks, uh, <laughs> you know, those kinds of, those kinds of things. And we're like, oh, we're on a beach in Maine. I don't know how we're going to get a replacement generator right now. Those, those kinds of things, a massive storm rolled in and we all had to take cover and the ocean was swelling and that scene is a little trickier to, to edit. Mm. Um, so, so the good thing about that, though, is that on the day we were able to go, okay, do we need to go back and cover our asses with anything because that crazy thing happened? Um, but uh, there were in the edit, there were there were pretty much no surprises. There were definitely major challenges but they were like on the day we were like oh yeah no this is going to be a tough one okay okay cool like what for you is, is the most enjoyable element so far about this you know the whole process is it directing is it the writing like what what, what like acting like what is it yeah, for me on this one, the directing, uh, as my as my directorial debut as a feature, it was so important and such a momentous feeling for me. So, um, you know, the acting on this one comes, I don't want to say easier, but because Nora is in some regards an extension of myself, 
um, I was worrying about that a little less. And the writing happened so much earlier than the act. So the directing really was, um, was really important and special to me. And then especially um, uh, with my short films, I had never gone through such a robust post experience, you know, with micro budget stuff, it's usually you have an editor who can also color, who can also help with some sound stuff. You, you license music, no composer. So there were certain mm. things that I had not done before that were so fun. I had the best time composing, working with the composer. That was like one of my favorite parts of the whole film. Um, so, so yeah, just going through that actual full robust post experience was, was really cool. Oh, nice. Like, how do you work with a composer? What, what was it? Like, oh, man. Um, <laughs> yeah, because it's just like, right, working with a composer, I imagine, you know, that's an interesting thing. And I guess so many people would have different approaches. Yeah. So do you go into that with just, uh, well, this is my fault? Or did you try and you know, read or listen to what another, you know, director has talked about or other composers talked about the challenges and that. So you can be like, oh, okay, so I'll do it in this way. Or like, yeah, yeah, how was that for you? It was really, um, it was, so I didn't really know what to expect having never worked with a composer before. Um, I do have a music background. I'm a singer. So, okay. so and I, how many hats do you wear, Sarah? <laughs> Oh, damn it. I, You're I, making I, me feel so I, inferior. I'm just no, like, no. I need to leave this now because I'm like, God <laughs> damn it. I started out in my acting, I started out in musical theater. So um I just the the you know, luckily, even though I don't do it as much anymore, um, I know a bit of music theory. I can read music, I can all you know that I can't play any instruments, don't worry. Um, but so <laughs> so this composer, Nick he read the script and got and watched the, I think the rough and immediately understood the tone. So immediately understood the tone. And he basically would just, it was unbelievable working with him. You, I felt so inferior because he'd be like, you know, we'd be sitting there watching the movie. I'd go, you know, for this, the feeling is like, romance could happen, but also it's quirky and fun and we're outdoors. And he'd go, so maybe like, and then all of a sudden do something on his piano and it would be like amazing. It blew my mind every time. And he's like, then we could add a little and he picks up his, his guitar and he's like, and I'm like, yeah, exactly. That's insane. Like record it. Um, so we had so much fun uh, trying to make it sound a little unique. So he used a lot of different instruments that you don't um, typically hear. Like there was, um, I don't remember the exact term, but there was like, uh, an Indian type of uh, wind instrument. There was um, like a South American a string instrument. Like things are, we tried to also emulate certain nature sounds. Uh, he says this is the first project someone's ever sent him animal noises as a reference. I was sending him uh, sounds of loon calls, which you hear a lot in Maine. You know, the the loons on the lakes make these noises. Uh, uh, and so that that Indian flute he found sounded the closest to a loon. So we we traded a lot of fun kind of ideas back and forth. And um, he but he really led the way on just kind of 
like I said, he would just pop a melody out of thin air and say, how's that? And I would go, God, incredible. Uh, so it really, it couldn't have been an easier and more fun process, frankly. Uh, and how long did that take? A few months, I think. We, um, we uh, maybe every couple weeks we'd get together for an in-person session. He'd work on music. He'd send it to me. I'd make notes. And then we'd go sit and watch it in his studio, having the visuals on the screen with the music was really important. Um, and then, then just fine tuning. Then he, you know, got his talented group of musicians together and they recorded. And then we did some sort of final tweaks once everything was, was fully recorded. Uh -huh. Okay. And how much does, like when you're working on a score like that, like, how much did it then change the editing process of the film? So the film was pretty much like very close to locked, if I remember correctly. Um, but what it really did was just enhance everything that we'd already done. It, it, it to me brought things to like a whole new level. Um, but it was, like I said, and I'm so fortunate with this, with, with these various members of the crew, they, they understood the tone and the feeling just from reading the script so well that mm. it wasn't like, oh, our composer's done this and I think now we should change this. It was like everyone was just on the same page. Okay. No, that's great. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just think it comes off as you know this really polished and just well done piece but you'd never think it's a feature directorial debut Thank i mean that, that's the that's the thing with this it, like yeah i think it sits with those other films thank you that that really means a lot you know that was the goal this whole time i just want people to go in and watch the movie and enjoy it and not, you know, pick out little hiccups and bumps and go, oh, but she's new. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 I don't think, yeah, I, I think you would just assume that you've made a ton of films, written a ton of films. Well, and that is really the, the, the benefit of surrounding yourself with such incredible cast and crew. I mean, I could fall back on so many amazingly talented people. So it really, it's, it's a, especially now in the state of the industry as we're, you know, writers are striking and actors might go on strike and, and we're not valuing um, the, 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 what everybody brings to the table. Mm. It really is such a collaborative medium and, and you got to recognize that. Well, I think, I think it is just a great thing to hear someone acknowledge the work of others, right? Because so often in the and especially in the past and I've, I've had this conversation recently I forget who we're but it's like where well, actors would go um oh yeah that was that was me hanging from the helicopter and they right. wouldn't acknowledge the stunt people yeah and it's just insane because you're not gonna go oh they didn't do their own stunts <laughs> I don't like this anymore no you'll just yeah. be like it, all of it yeah they're yeah great there's the only actor who's hanging from a helicopter is Tom Cruise. Everybody yeah. else, it's a stunt double. <laughs> I, I know, right? Yeah. And even it's funny because even Jackie Chan, right? And he does a lot of stunts. Yeah. 
but he doesn't do all the stunts. Yeah, it's physically not. Production companies won't let you. Insurance companies won't let you. <laughs> yeah, I, I think Tom Cruise is, I think, I forget on what Mission Impossible, but I, I remember hearing that it was crazy trying to get that insured. And yeah. I'm sure it didn't help when, I think, is it on this new one? And he jumps so. across the roof and he breaks his ankle, but finishes the the the, the scene of finishes the scene but he actually broke his ankle on the does. landing i'm is... like guys guys there's a spider on my leg cut cut you <laughs> 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 have to stop but <laughs> ankle and is you know still running know, yeah this is crazy yeah but yeah no it, it, it's nice to you know see people acknowledge others and understand that they're only as great as they are with the help and support of Absolutely. others and I just think it also then makes people want to work with you because they, they yeah. you know it shows the character of someone who can do that well and and going into this while it was my feature debut I've worked on many feature films. I've been the director's assistant on several feature films. So I've had an opportunity over the last several years to, to watch and learn. And the directors who foster, um, you know, a creative collaborative environment are the ones you want to keep working for. And as uh, my producer, John Herman, who I've worked with many, many, many times, he always says when people get really stressed on a film set and, you know, it's it can be very, very stressful. And and when people get really stressed, he goes, it's OK. We're not doing brain surgery. We're making make believe. Everyone can take a breath. We're making make believe. It's not life or death. <laughs> we're going to we're going to get it done. Mm. And uh, so that's 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 the vibe. Uh, I'm not going to pretend I didn't get crazy stressed every day, but that's that's the vibe that, you know, we want to go for. We're here to make something beautiful, tell a story, have a good time. Awesome. Well, yeah, you, you know, you did, honestly, you did a tremendous job. I yeah. thoroughly enjoyed watching this film. So, hey, congratulations. Thank you so much. So do you think that um, you'll go to one of those other scripts that you were pondering? The now? ones that I wrote before this are definitely on a hiatus but I have some other some other things I'm doing I'm uh, writing a script right now for uh, someone else to direct actually so that's that's where my focus is right now and uh, I definitely have ideas percolating for my next one I would also love to direct a feature that I didn't write that would be you know a new a new thing for me so uh, I'm, I would also I might I would really love to find a way to get into TV. I, I, I love TV. That's a that's a dream of mine. Okay. Would you um think about doing like a web series? Because uh yeah, I've, I've I've spoken to a couple of people playing at the festival actually, like um Simon Kincaid and Emily Zisco have got played mm -hmm. by ear, and uh -huh. then Frank and Laura Leon have got something called remixed. Cool. Yeah, I, um, I, you know, I've done a web series. Uh, it was not really a traditional web series. Basically, I made this little, it was sort of anthology, a little collection of shorts, very, very micro budget that um, it was called Scenes from a Not-So-Future Dystopia. And it was my little political satire sort of 
every episode dealt with a different, like a different potential future scenario. There's the first one was about women's health care. There's the wage gap. It's my little sort of micro budget feminist anthem. And all of those I consider my film school too. Those were all sort of the first things that I was doing. And um, it was really fun to do, definitely. But I also I'm so interested in learning more about how television works, the direction of directing TV is so different from directing film coming in and taking over someone else's project and maintaining the continuity of the tone of the series while you're just popping in for an episode. That seems like such a cool challenge to me. Yeah, no, definitely. Definitely. Any genre that you'd love to work in or any that you wouldn't want to work in? I'll do, hey, I'll do anything. But um, my, I'm a huge, huge, I'll, I'll be blunt. I'm a huge nerd, uh, massive sci-fi and fantasy fan. Nice. So uh, yeah, it's my dream to join the Star Trek universe one day. Uh, big Trekkie. Okay. Which, yeah. which one would you want to jump into? Oh, right now, probably Strange New Worlds is, okay. is so fun. Um, but I love, I love them all. Um, but yeah, and, and fan, I'm a huge fantasy person. I mean, all, I'm loving House of the Dragon. I'm just, I'm just loving all these shows that are, um, are really going for it. The, uh, Damon Lindelof just did, um, Mrs. Davis, which was so unique. I just, I enjoy right now how people are really kind of swinging for the fences on TV. And mm, yeah, there's some good stuff. There's definitely some good stuff out really there. Really good stuff happening. Like, and how excited are you to know Stransky's bringing Babylon 5 back? That's amazing. And oh, <laughs> I'm also, I was a huge um, BSG, Battlestar Galactica fan. And Ronald D. Moore has a new show coming out soon. His show. I think there's two projects. Yeah. One from was... Moore and one from somewhere <laughs> else. I think, I think it's the Mr. Robot guy. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the, there's no lack of great sci-fi happening right now. So yeah. I'm going to yeah. jump on that train. And uh, my favorite TV show right now is For All Mankind. Ronald D. Moore's Apple TV uh, alternate universe where the Soviets won the space race, uh, alternate history. Uh, it's an incredible show. And that's like a dream. That's that's like a dream show for me to ever be on. So Ronald D. Moore, if you're listening, oh, I'm, I'm ready. Yeah. Well, <laughs> anyone, I think you need to book this lady ASAP <laughs> because her calendar is going to get crazy busy. Oh, my so. Dream. Make sure you do and get her now because you'll get her cheaper than you will. If you're <laughs> yes, you know what yes. I mean? <laughs> anything at this point right now, it <laughs> work. So, <laughs> oh, and right before we go, I should say so heightened is having its world premiere, people. The world premiere first time on the big screen at Dances With Films. It is happening Friday the 23rd of June, so tomorrow at 7.15 in the evening. Everybody, come out. Have a good time. We're in an amazing, iconic, old, cool theater. It's going to be a blast. And will you be there? Will any cast be there for a Q&A? Yes, 
I will be there. Uh, Xander Berkeley, who plays my father, will be there. Um, with some and, beers? Excuse me? With some beers? <laughs> yeah, yes, with, with some beers to drink on the kitchen floor. Uh, yeah, Xander Berkeley will be there, and so much of our incredible crew will be there. Our producer, John Herman, executive producer, Matt Ratner, they both have amazing production companies that have done so much awesome indie film. So it's going to be a really good group of people. Oh, tremendous. Oh, people, you do not want to miss that. So the ticket link will be on the website, people. All the socials are on the website. Sarah's website, all of that. So make sure you go cop a ticket, right? Follow her on social media so you can find out where else it might be showing and what other products she has in the pipeline. Yeah, as I say, get on this on the ground level because hey you want to be there and you'd be like i remember before she blew up before she made that marvel flick before <laughs> you know what i mean she did that battle style galactic of reimagining oh, right yeah. get on now with heightened <laughs> people all right hey thank you for your time this has been such a a, a great joy thank yeah, you thank you so much kevin really wonderful to chat with you hey no worries man just Enjoy your premiere tomorrow. Uh, I'm sure people are going to love this film. I really do. So, yeah, enjoy it. And when your next project is ready to pop, hey, come back and let's have a conversation. (laughs) Awesome. All right. Outstanding. Thanks, Sarah. Thank you so much. All right. Take care. Bye. Okay, so there we go, right? Our first coverage of Dances with Films, and it's been great. Had a great film in High End, a fantastic conversation with Sarah Friedman. Hey, people, make sure you book those tickets if you're in the California area, right? Or at least just follow them. Follow the film, follow Sarah and the crew. So you um yeah, know if it's showing anywhere near you and just what they're doing. You know what I mean? So yeah, people, in hope you enjoyed that one. And people, trust me, there are so many more great conversations to come from this festival. So many, right? I've got to thank my peoples, Henry, Justin, and the other cats at their uh, at their organizations, because they, if it wasn't for them, this wouldn't be happening, all right? So, people, until next time, right? Peace.